What's up, y'all? My name is Min. My name is Tammy. This is The, the Lightning, Lightning Rod. Rod. Yes, this is our first ever episode from the company, The Creative Folks. We're a beautiful startup in Atlanta, and... And I created The Creative Folks because I wanted a brand that represents artists. We teach, we do workshops, we do all types of services. Check us out. Yeah, for sure. And let's, I mean, let's just get started yes, with the let's go. intros. So a little bit about us and where we come from and how The Lightning Rod's gonna work. So. My name is Min Nguyen. I come from a more art background. I give advice to artists. Before I started doing the podcast, I was a writer for the creative folks. And yeah, I wrote advice columns for artists. Things like how to find your style, how to find um, your voice, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. A couple of like, variety of There's some reviews here and yeah. there. But before I came to the creative folks, my big thing was I was all about creative writing. I was an undergraduate in it. And then I decided to just change over completely and go into the more visual arts. So now I'm pursuing an MFA at SCAD Atlanta. And in the meantime, while doing the student life, while doing the podcast, I also do freelancing. But my ultimate goal is to hopefully, goodness, please, yes, I would love to work at like a major studio like DreamWorks or Disney or Pixar, that would be amazing. So in the meantime, I'm just feeding the hustle. Yes, that's our slogan. Like yeah. that's, that's the best thing. Uh, my Shameless name is tag. yeah. My name is Tammy. Uh, Tammy Wynn. Twin wins here. No we relation. Have, yeah, no relation though. <laughs> Disclaimer. Um, I met Min at Georgia State, and we are both graduates, undergraduates from Georgia State. Yeah. Um, currently not pursuing anything in education, but um, I run the creative folks. I also do part-time recruiting on the side, uh, recruiting people for jobs here in Atlanta. And fun fact about me, I love Pasheen, the cat. Oh yeah, I know you're all about that. Yes, even though dog person. Yeah. <laughs> I guess fun fact about me, I am a Gryffindor. I am House Targaryen, 100%. I'm so ready for the final season of Game of Thrones. Yes. And I, I don't know, I'm obsessed with Batman. I own like all the comics. <laughs> like, Mad person. Every time you say it, I love it. No, I do. I just, I just, Batman is a good thing to be obsessed with, for sure. So, I guess we should talk about a little bit how the podcast is going to work. So, my advice mostly is for artists. I currently, I totally forgot to mention this, I run the illustration club at SCAD Atlanta and I get advice, I, I give advice to students all the time about art and I teach them how to draw better. We use Photoshop in there. We definitely have a lot of, um, workshops that we have. We also bring in guest speakers. That's something pretty cool. So my advice is mostly coming from that point of view, more of a student for students. It's also coming for our freelance artists or for artists in general who want to work at major studios or who want to work at um, more in the art world mm. as either a freelancer or um, a full-time salaried artist. Yeah. And for me, I'm coming from a more business aspect. Yeah. Um, I don't have any certifications in business or anything like that, but I love doing research on business, and that's why I even opened the Creative Folks. It's a it's a startup that started from the bottom. We're kind of here now. <laughs> yeah. um, I project it to be even longer. We're learning as we go, so um, I'm hoping to teach yeah. as I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, for sure, and I'm learning as I'm going along too, so we're kind of learning together yeah. as we're, you know, sharing what we've learned with you guys. Yeah. 
So I think it's exciting. No, it is. <laughs> I think it's really, really cool. Um, I think we should just get started to it. So the biggest question that I get from artists, from students, from people in club, from people online is how do I find my style as an artist? And this can also be very applicable to people who are running a business as well for entrepreneurs out there and for students who are just getting their feet wet into the world of art, who are just exploring their new styles, going to art school. Um, I think that is a really big question to tackle today, but I think I'm going to break it down to how do I discover and build my style and where do I go in terms of trying to find it. Mm. And um, for me, if I were to talk to artists and anyone in the creative field, I would always say two things. Before you even start drawing or creating or writing, always, always, always stop and think about what kind of media do you consume? What do you typically go for? Do you go for the world of high fantasy novels? Do you go for more of a cartoony indie video game style? Do you love Game of Thrones? Do you love Batman? Like, what do you love? Like, I'm talking about myself now. Yeah. <laughs> no, but do like, you love Pusheen? Do you love Pusheen? <laughs> do you love, what do you enjoy to consume? Do you enjoy children's media? Um, what did you like in your childhood that you want to see more of? What do you like currently that's on air? You have to really consider that. And I would, from there, just look and just write down, just literally make a list. And because every industry, believe it or not, has a very distinct look to it. The world of high fantasy, for example, like I'm talking about World of Warcraft, D&D, D&D, Magic the Gathering, yeah. um, any kind of fantasy novel, they tend to have a more realistic style to them a very, very on fleek anatomy. The anatomy has to be flawless. The rendering has to be so, so clear and very detailed and realistic. That's entirely different than the world of Plushine mm -hmm. or Dr. Seuss. Yeah, and all that takes practice, of course. So of like course. building over time. So that's another question that we're going to tackle later is like building all of that and how that, that kind of thing can change over time. Absolutely. We were discussing earlier that um, our style over time has changed because 10 years ago, we didn't like our style then, but now we love our style. But then 10 years from now, we could be ago. looking, we could be looking at us right now and like, oh, yeah. I didn't like how I was perceived or how I was pushing out my own content or whatever I was doing. I just didn't like what I was doing. So we're always going to change. I feel like it change. sounds so old, like 10 years ago, like 10 years ago, I was like, what? Hold on, I was 14, I was drawing anime. How old was I? Like, like 12? I was, yeah, <laughs> 10 years ago. I mean, I was drawing at 12. I was doing something at 12. I was such a weeb at 12 years old. I was drawing <laughs> anime. Oh, and... I wish I could draw anime when I was younger, <laughs> but I, I sucked. I sucked. I was bad. I was into the mongoose and anime. Oh, my and, gosh. Like, that's how people pronounce it. Mangoes. Mangoes. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. You as a consumer, if there's a market that you fit into, I guarantee you there's about a million other people that also enjoy what you enjoy. That's why it's still there. So I would say, yeah, just go from there. And then from that point, I would say the biggest question, I think the million dollar question you have to ask yourself is, what do I want to go into mm. as an industry? Because for example, for me, I love Batman. I do, and I keep, I mean, I just, I do. But, yeah. but here's the thing, I can't yeah. draw. I can't draw that style. And that's something that I don't really want to pursue, you know, as a career path is to go into the world of comics. I'm not close to it but i'm not fighting for it and i'm not hustling for it yeah 
as hard as I am for other pursuits. And that's not, it's fine that I enjoy to consume it. And I definitely put it on my list when I was first trying to look for my style, but it's something that I don't really want to pursue as a career. So that's at that point, I start looking at my list of media that I consume. So I wrote down indie games that I loved. I wrote down novels that I enjoyed. I wrote down things I enjoyed as a kid. And I started at that point just crossing things out that where I just wouldn't feel comfortable going into that field or I just couldn't see myself really enjoying it for the rest of my life. Mm. But I definitely, you know, I'm not closing a door. I'm definitely leaving it open, mm. but I'm more heavily pursuing other things. Mm -hmm. You should never close yourself off for sure. I mean, I know illustrators that go into the world of graphic novels where they go into even making designs for wine yeah. companies, you know, so mm -hmm. it, it's always good to have that avenue open, but it's good to be very micromanaged, be very concise about where you want to go in your field. So, absolutely, yeah, for sure. And the biggest thing I would say is that once you find out where you want to go, let's just say hypothetically you want to go into children's books, start doing some research on some children's books that are current. Go to Barnes and Nobles, pick up a couple copies. If it's not children's books, and if it's the world of, I don't know, pick, pick an industry, just any old industry. Uh, in terms of what, like what kind of interest? Just, you know, in terms of art. Um. I don't know, say like painting. Yeah, painting. Just look up some painters that you enjoy. Maybe just go online or if you have the resources, go to an art gallery and yeah. see what's out there, what's popular, what's in right now. Yes, and I think that's um, something important to mention too, whether you're talking about business or doing um, it as an art student. Research is so important. And I mean, the internet may be your best friend, but be out there, network with people, go to art galleries, go 100%. to art shows, go to go to everything that you can that surrounds whatever it is that you're consuming, your medium, whatever it is. And we'll totally have an episode about yeah. networking and how we network. Already sure. in the books, we're planning it. But it's so important for you to network, um, even if you're a awkward turtle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are in a field of introverts. Yes, and that's something that you should not be ashamed of. It's, it's very common. We're both kind of in some ways introverts and in some ways we're extroverts. So we all have that quality. And so you do need to go out and network with people, talk to people, understand more about the industry because maybe you decide on that now, like say you decide on painting or whatever it is or that style, it could change. Again, Absolutely. going back to what we were saying, it does change. So when you talk to people, you can discover new things that you like or a even more specific thing of what you were doing. Right, and yeah. to add on to that, I think once you discover what industry you want to go down, if you're fortunate enough and if you are lucky enough, try to find a job in yeah. that field. And it doesn't have to be some stellar, like amazing dream job in like a skyscraper in New York. It could just be a random, just a random school thing. For yeah. me, when I was first discovering, hey, maybe writing isn't really the road I want to go down. I love creative writing, but it's not what I want to do professionally as my full-time hustle. Yeah. I was like, okay, I need to start from the ground up again. And I'm fortunate because I'm still in college. Where do I go? And I wrote down my list, like I said, of industries I want to go down, what I like, what I don't like. And I had virtually no job experience in the world of visual art. And I'm like, okay, well, this is what I like. This is what I want to experiment with. And one thing that I looked into was doing editorial mm -hmm. for either magazines or newspapers. Mm -hmm. And 
that's where I went actually to Georgia State. I went to the Signal. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's where, where our, our friendship began from there. So yeah. that's, oh, that's really good to hear no, that I, you went through that process. No, I did. And that's why I actually applied to the Signal because I never had any visual art experience at all. Yes. So with that being said, you just have to start small and then you just kind of work from there. Yeah. And I guess to add on top of that too, when I started, again, um, I'm a self-taught graphic designer. We both are. So, yeah, we both are. So when I started, I had I was doing everything on Photoshop. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't know if you understand what I mean by that when I'm saying I did everything on Photoshop from flyers to logos and everything like that. And it's not made for that. Right. And that's another episode that we can cover like in terms of what program for what. Mm -hmm. um, and we could talk about that. But in terms of that, I was doing everything on Photoshop. I wasn't confident in terms of like being able to sell my work just yet mm -hmm, right. so that's why i even joined the signal because i saw that they were looking for graphic designers and i was like oh i know how to do graphic design kind of sort of now that i think about it i didn't know what graphic design was uh now i do but i joined and it kind of just skyrocketed from there because i met men afterward and we started earning awards we started earning all these titles for our design i won a couple of ad awards etc yeah and it kicked off from there and that's like where a lot of people start off is that their first job is something very small. It doesn't have to be glamorous, you know? And I don't even think we were getting paid. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was paid um, $250 a month um, as an editor role, and that did not pay for crap. Like, I, That's like chump change. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, since I work full-time, I, I kind of understand. Yeah. Okay, that was, that was not livable, and it was crap. Yeah, for sure. And that's where you get your most experience though is on the job yes. and if you can afford that and if you have the resources to get that kind of experience i highly encourage it because that gave me so much knowledge more than i had just you know in my head mm -hmm. about this industry that hands-on experience and it really helps me narrow down what i want to do professionally and as much as i love the signal i do love it it was a great starting place for me i have to say like you know that's it helped me discover that Maybe the world of editorial isn't for me because this is just a very small version of what the real world is going to be like. Mm -hmm. The real world, these deadlines are um, ever changing and, you know, you can't control the news. So basically you kind of have to work with it. And oh, yeah, I 100% I agree because, I mean, uh, men graduated. So that's why men had to leave the signal. And then I left the signal because I I also realized that newspaper and editorial magazine, which I thought was something that I wanted to do, even though I didn't go to school for art, I went to school for sociology. Mm -hmm. I, I figured that's not something I want to do anymore. Even though I love design, I love doing all this stuff. I love leading teams in terms of like art direction, but it wasn't for me. But yeah. I had to have that experience in order to understand, yeah, that's not for me. So I'm not going to do it. And it's still a completely valuable experience because you know now what you don't want to do. And that is amazing. That's a great start. And it may seem like a failure, but it's really not. It's a big stepping stone. Yes. Because now you can focus more of your energy and your creative focus on something that you do want to do. And I think that it was one of the best um, learning experiences for me. So Absolutely. to reiterate, we know what we what we like in terms of our meeting. Write down that list, figure out what you like, and then think, what industries do I want to go down? And then write down some 
different industries that can apply and look up the art in that world. It has a different shape language. It has a different language. Like children's books look so different than high fantasy. And then if you're lucky enough and if you're persistent enough or if you really, really have the resources and the time, I would highly encourage just applying to any job Mm -hmm. that you can, any job or any internship. Let me pick your brain on that too, though. I've taught a couple of workshops um, this past year where we would talk about internships because a lot of these students, um, we taught. I taught a workshop at Georgia State, right? And their biggest question for me, and again, these students were not like art students; right. they were business or marketing students who had um, had trouble finding marketing internships or landing one. Mm-hmm. So they were asking me, "So how are you supposed to land one and work consistently at it, but you also have like bills to pay?" And I was like. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's and a very so, important question. And we're, um, just a big disclaimer on that, I feel like me and men, men can disagree if men mm-hmm, disagrees, right. but I feel like me and men are very privileged. We are privileged. In, uh, and we admit to our privilege. We had our education taken care of. Yes, um, we did. We planned ahead all the time in terms of like what we were, mm-hmm. you know, our next steps. And to be where we are right now, it has a lot to do with how our family supports us, our peers supports Absolutely. us how we support each other in terms of our own work. Whenever men had a question, I was there. Or like whenever I had a question, men was there. Something of that sort. Right, and I totally respect, and I want to reiterate that yes, we do come from a place of privilege where I did have my education very, very supported by my family. And, you know, I definitely did have scholarships. And, you know, it was not a financial burden for me to have an unpaid internship or a job per se that, you Mm. know, didn't have the income that could support me. So. I definitely want to take this moment now to address students or entrepreneurs or people who are in the business world or the student world who are struggling with that and who want to find that balance between finding the experience that they need, but also supporting themselves and supporting their well-being. Yeah, and everything that they have to do because we understand you have bills to pay. We're not encouraging you to uh, do a bunch of free work and leave your bills unpaid. That's not what we're saying. No, because artist labor should be respected. Yes. Yeah, so what do we say to students or for entrepreneurs or people who are starting out who they want to get that industry experience, they want to find that, but you know, they can't do something like the signal like you and me did. Yeah. What would you recommend for those people? I, uh, from that business aspect and how the company at the Creative Folks runs, our slogan is Feed the Hustle. Mm -hmm. So I, even though I was privileged, I would never say that I didn't work hard. Um, I've worked since my freshman year all the way until I graduated. I never had a semester where I never worked. Mm -hmm. And worked meaning a paid job. Like a seven, I took a 725 uh, job for two years. And then I moved up, did a 10 hour job, then did a 12 hour job. And now I'm on salary pay. So it, it's consistent work and you will make time for it if you love it enough. So yeah, maybe, I mean, this is a rough year, but like maybe do more hours at work because you have bills to pay, but maybe put out like five hours for internship time because more than likely internships might be able to be flexible with you in terms of, you know, um, here are my hours, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what kind of advice no, you have. For I that. agree because a lot of internships, I have never seen an internship advisor or administrator who has said, well, you have to do this because these are my hours. No, they're very flexible with you. They will work with your schedule. And if they're not, by the way, you should probably drop the internship just because if they're not flexible with you and trying to understand that you have other things to do, but yet you still want to hone the skills, just find another internship. There are plenty out there. Uh, They may be 
unpaid, but that shouldn't be your goal for these internships. Right. You should be there to hone skills, not to get $10 an hour plus, you know, whatever you're doing on the side for money. And again, like I was very privileged enough to land that job at the signal. But then from there, what I did is like, oh, I have this experience now. I worked at the signal for about three or four months. Mm. And now I have this little three or four months experience working here, touching these programs I've never used before, like Photoshop, yes. Illustrator. And then I immediately started applying to some smaller tier jobs, yeah. jobs that don't require um, a year or two year experience. And these are paying jobs. So I looked at a place very close to home, quite literally, it was just around the corner <laughs> from the signal. It was just the Career Service Center. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was literally, I'm not even joking with you guys. If you see Georgia State's building, the signal is over here. The creative, um, the career oh, excuse me, the Career Service Center um, is just next door. Next door. It was just basically a foot away from each other. And from there, I did graphic design work for them. I did their social media page, and it was a paid position that I could not only finance myself, but I can also build and put on my resume. So from there, I would say, if you are looking for a position, and if you, let's just say you have a job at, I don't know, like a completely unrelated thing, just to pay the bills. I have friends who worked at um, just, you know, fast food places yes. like Taco Bell or whatever. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have a great friend, actually, who I go to school with currently. She actually works at Chick-fil-A mm. as a cashier. But this is where I thought it was incredible. She actually had a networking. She went to a networking event and she met a creative director at Chick-fil-A. And he was looking for people to do animations for them mm. for kind of an, an undisclosed project. Mm -hmm. And basically, I was so starstruck with that because I'm like, wow, you took this job and now you have field work in this job. So you know what it's like on the ground at Chick-fil-A and you went to this event and then you took it to the next tier yeah. and found an internship there, Absolutely. a paid internship too, mm -hmm. which is, I thought, very, very remarkable. Yeah. And that's in all, that's our company slogan too. Just feed the hustle. Whenever you have the time to absolutely uh, work on it, or to get an internship, or to go network, if you can't afford to do um, an internship that's twenty hours a week right now because we have school and work, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Go to networking events. There are a ton of them out there. Um, just pick and choose which one you want to go to because not all of them are beneficial and you have to be able to tell the difference between what's a good networking event, what's not a good one, which one will I learn the most from, and how can I network with these people instead of dressing up in a suit, going there, shaking their hand, and calling that networking because that's not networking. Right. Now, I wanna, Another episode. <laughs> I want to pick your brain for a minute sure. here. So one thing that I've been asked for students who are struggling with you know, the schoolwork and paying the bills, sure. et cetera, et cetera, is they asked me, Min, what about if I go into the world of contracting work, just a quick kind of contract that I produce this work at this set amount of time and then it's finished? Mm. What do I think about that? Yeah, what do you think about that? I think that's actually great mm -hmm. if you can sell yourself enough because getting contract work is a lot of marketing for yourself. Yes. Like You have to market yourself in order to find that client that's willing to pay X amount of dollars for you to finish a project in a certain amount of time. Um, I think that's a great way to pick up quick projects. Right. I think it's a good way to pick up um, testimonials to your work. 
um, on that student artist side, like picking up testimonials. Absolutely. And um, building references. Yes, yeah, building too. references, building a resume. I mean, that's that's perfect. Um, again, not everybody is lucky enough to get contract work. I've like I've worked in design for about five years now, and rarely had like a good contract job or like contract assignment. I had right. one that lasted a year, um, and I can't say what company, but. It, it lasted a year, so that that worked out for me. But it, it's going to be a journey to find one of those. It is, and honestly, it is going to be difficult to get your name out there, especially when you're so new to the market. Absolutely. But I think <laughs> the struggle of every artist yeah. when they first start. Oh yeah, you're telling me. Like when I first switched over from writing to cre- um, the creative visuals, it was a huge, huge struggle for me. But one thing that I did, and this is not everyone's journey, but this is definitely what helped me along the way, is I kind of use my writing background to get more of a visual art yes. experience. So, for example, yeah, no, it was just you have to be very versatile in how you find these internships yeah. and experiences. So, for me, it was all about connecting with authors. Oh, this person, it you know, it could be your friend. It could be some person who has, like, a story that they want you to illustrate. Mm-hmm. You know, I, w- I worked in the creative writing department. There were so many creative writers out there who wanted to have their stories illustrated. What an easy way to get freelancing work mm-hmm. and to build that portfolio. And again, your first contracting job does not have to be glamorous. It really doesn't. It's just enough for you to have experience to show the next employer, hey, I'm reliable. I get work done on time. And now you have references that will land you those other higher positions. Because everybody starts from somewhere. Everybody does. Yeah. And I can't, I cannot express it enough because a lot of people um, probably listening to this are thinking, well, that's easy for you to say. It's hard for me. Well, we've been in that position before and it's harder to say because we, we've already lived that time where we've been at those internships right. that didn't pay us, where we were working long hours because the signal was long hours. We Very were long. working on paper. It said 15 hours a week, but we were working 40 men knew that I was stressing every single Saturday, every single Sunday to make Oof, sure it was yeah. ready for print by Monday. And yet we were still staying in the office on Monday until 8 PM to get it printed. And our cutoff time is five. Uh, so it's, it's just overall going to be a journey and you have to take it as it comes again. We're speaking from a very privileged perspective. We, we were able to take on the signal, um, despite it being no pay or Mm -hmm. little pay, whatever the case was. And I mean, I've done internships. I've done a ton of internships that were unpaid. I worked with a couple of like um, volunteer groups here in Atlanta in terms of doing their social media, doing this and that. And social media isn't my thing, but now it is my thing. I do marketing now. And that's crazy how four years ago I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to do graphic design for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm going to be a freelance designer and that's all I'm going to do. Yet now I'm not doing that at all. And I'm actually okay with that. And I'm okay with that as well. For me, I thought I was going to go into the world of newspapers and magazines. But, you know, that's something that I discovered that and through those kinds of jobs. So a little back on track, just to circle back to our main point, because we (laughs) kind of went off topic. But I think it's relevant, you know, for people who are trying to find their style to find those internships. Yes. You know, those experiences that build your portfolio to show reliability. Yeah. And I feel like it is relevant to take that little extra moment to talk about that before we wrap back to style. Yes. Let us know if you want to hear more of them. <laughs> yeah, we will talk definitely more about the industry yes. and about how to land that job. 
So, okay, let's talk about style again. Let's go back to building the style. So I think another thing that I hear a lot of people say is, is it good to have more than one style? Is it, should I have, how many is too many styles? What if I don't have a specific image? What's going on with that? Well, I'm coming at this from a more art point of view, or more freelancing, mm -hmm. but I also talk about animation and sequential or even for fashion. Mm. Um, I think this advice could be applicable, but I'm definitely coming from more of the student life. A lot of my illustration teachers have told me it's very good to have that kind of branding, especially if you're going to go into freelancing, mm -hmm. because when you're doing freelancing, they're hiring you for your specific brand. Yes. And you know, I know many people who, yes, oh. myself included, I have a couple distinct styles. So for me, if that's the case, then I would actually have two separate portfolios ready to go. I know a guy who he actually has his work is very um, serious. You know, his work is more adult based, not like in a sexual manner, just in a more adult <laughs> kind of um, look to it, like a more Game of Thrones kind of feel. But he also does children's books with very wild characters that look very abstract way different than his other work and mm -hmm. whenever he presents his work to a client it depends on the client that he's if he's looking at a children's book client he'll show them that portfolio but if he's looking at a client that's more into his more mature style then he'll show them a totally se separate portfolio mm -hmm. and it's good to have that kind of consistency in your portfolios but another thing too is that yeah i shouldn't say you should limit yourself, especially for my animation people out there. Because when you're in the world of animation, every single film that you see has a very distinct look to it. And if you're hired on for the project, you have to be able to be in sync with that look 110%. Because if you're not, then it becomes a little problematic. So in the world of animation, you become very higher employable to mm -hmm. me. You become very employable mm -hmm. when you can fit those different styles. If you can go from 2D to 3D mm -hmm. to um, the more, like I'm just picking out random movies. If you can draw like, let's just say Hercules, which has a very distinct shape language, a mm -hmm. very distinct look to it. And then you can go from that to, let's just say something that just recently came out like Coco. Mm -hmm. That makes you very marketable mm -hmm. in animation. Yeah. And let me add on top of that too. That's just like, if you're if you're just starting out and you're trying to find those internships like we were just saying they want to see on your resume that you are able to do not only this but also that just like how people now most people do have it since i work in recruiting i see it all the time some people have one resume for admin work or something like that and one person has a resume for graphic design i do both i do marketing graphic design admin work i've done all of that and i have a resume for each and every one of those because i cannot just put my graphic design work onto my admin work because they don't make sense. Uh, they're not consistent, like Min was saying. And you have to be consistent. You have to consider those things. So consider also asking a friend to look over your resume or looking over your portfolio to make sure everything's consistent. Oh yeah, no, for, for sure. Yeah. And you know, still, even though I no longer do creative writing as my main hustle, I still have a resume yes. with my creative writing work. And sometimes I do illustrate that. But again, even if I illustrate my creative writing, those are two separate portfolios. I keep those illustrations separate mm -hmm. from my writing because that creates a consistency. Because when someone's looking at my writing portfolio, they're hiring me specifically for writing. Yes. 
not to illustrate. Yeah. So frankly, it's a little harsh to say, but you're wasting the client's time. Yeah, very. And it only makes you look, again, less, disorganized. Yeah, disorganized. Looks like you're throwing everything onto basically one page. Um, just be open in terms of like with your skills. Um, again, I have a lot of different skills that may or may not on paper, they don't look like they're related, but in terms of like when I'm working at the creative folks, everything that I have learned, everything that I have honed in in terms of skill applies. So just bring it to the workplace. You don't have to show it on paper. Absolutely. I mm-hmm. think so. Yeah. Like when you're, if you have different styles, definitely market yourself differently mm-hmm. for each one. And it's fine to have different styles and it's Absolutely. totally acceptable. And I actually, in my personal opinion, I encourage it. Um, but again, you want to keep that consistency in your branding. If you're going to work freelancing for, let's just say a company like in Atlanta, like high res studios, sure. mm-hmm. they have a very distinct look to them and they want to see if you fit the company's branding. That's mm-hmm. another thing too, that I would recommend is that back going back to my first or second point is looking at the company that you want to work for. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say you're going to lose your voice in this, but I'm saying try to fit your art style that best fits that world. Mm-hmm. And you can still have your own voice. You can still have your own unique style, but it also has to fit into that world. Absolutely. Like I said, for children's books, they have a very distinct, very shape-based style. It's more simplistic looking, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you have to fit someone else's look. You can still have your own distinct look to it, but it kind of has to fit into that world. I would agree. Yeah, so like, if you want to go into the world of again, let's just say a company in Atlanta, like high-res studios, they have a very distinct look to it. And I would try to tailor your work if you want to pursue that company or you want to pursue just any company in general, just look to see what they push out yes. into the market. Really do your research on what they push out because Disney looks different than high-res. Mm-hmm. Pixar looks different than Disney. Even. Mm-hmm. DreamWorks looks different than Pixar and Disney. Mm-hmm. So really tailor and Nickelodeon. Oh, they, they're oh, totally God, different. Yeah. yeah. And Cartoon Network, yes. 100% different than all of the four or five I just listed. Yes. So do your research and really tailor your portfolio to the company or the place that you want to work for. Yeah. And again, that's not to say to lose your voice within your own work. It's tailoring and perfecting your work to land where you want to land. Absolutely. You're trying to land, for example, say you're trying to land in Cartoon Network, but yet your style is totally Nickelodeon. Like, right. why yeah. would you go into Cartoon Network? Right. But if Cartoon Network is your dream job and you can make changes as, as much as you can, tweaks and stuff like that to your style um, to best fit for Cartoon Network, it's up to them if whether or not they want to hire you. If they feel like, yeah, like X, Y, and Z is perfect for Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. Let's get them on board. Or X, Y, and Z has a new style that maybe we want to try. Right. So again, not to lose your voice, just be open. Right. Overall, just be no, open. No, I, I totally agree. <laughs> and a really interesting exercise I had in one of my animation classes for yeah. character design is we actually found an old TV show mm. and we designed it. It was live action, by the way. Cool. So basically it was just all real people. And then we designed it to fit into a cartoon style. Mm. And that I think was a really cool portfolio piece for me personally, because basically it the show was called the Munsters. It was like from the sixties. I've never actually even heard of it <laughs> until I did the assignment. Yeah. But I'll just give that same kind of, you know, advice for you guys. Just yeah. find a show maybe that is live action and that would feel like you would fit into the network that you wanted to. And then just really, 
take the characters and then draw them in the style of the show. Mm-hmm. That way, it's your own original interest, your own voice. Yeah. And then it's still the style yeah. that um, the show, or excuse yeah. me, the network would like. Yeah. So, for example, in my class, you know, we had a bunch of different networks that were listed, Netflix, Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, and we had to do research on what those companies have marketed in the past, what they have um, done in the present day, and mm-hmm. then we kind of make our designs fit into that mold. And it's still our unique style, but it still also fits their brand image. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is, the I think, the, a marriage made in heaven. Yeah. When it fits the brand, and it's also your original style, and you're bringing something new to the table. Yes. And look, I mean, let's think about that too. I don't. I want to speak on behalf of the other side of whoever's listening to. You don't have to take if your dream job was Cartoon Network, and yet you don't land in Cartoon Network. You land on Nickelodeon, for example. We're going back to that. That is not the end of the world. Oh no, absolutely not. Do what you can. Get all the skills that you can from Car- uh, not Cartoon Network, but Nickelodeon. And maybe one day Cartoon Network will take notice of you. And if they don't, still not the end of the world. Heck, like open your own network. Like do your own thing. Make your characters come to life on your own. Webtoon it. Yeah, webtoon it. It's a very popular platform. Not sponsored again. <laughs> um, but that's kind of like my point in terms of um, the creative folks too. How our slogan works, all, all of that stuff. We just never give in into that. For, just because we run into one roadblock doesn't mean that we stop there. Because the creative folks, when it opened in January, it ran into many roadblocks, and you don't see us stopping. We're actually thinking of new thinking of new ways to build on top of right. what we have right now. So even within the span of a year, we already revamped because we we saw that our team was growing. We wanted to rebrand it accordingly, and that happens for us. Then that's going to happen for you as an artist, as an individual, whatever it is that you're doing. Right. It's going to happen. And I think our final question that I want to answer today is. Yes. This is another big one, is I have a style currently, I have a brand, I am an established creator, but I don't like my brand, or I want to change my brand to fit a new market. It's a nice transition there. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. So I think, I want to just mostly talk about the business aspects first, so I think Tammy is the best person to kind of take over Mm -hmm. from it. I really want to pick your brain about what you do in terms of marketing when you have a distinct look to you, but Maybe you want a different clientele. You want a different set of clients. Mm-hmm. What do you do from there? Yeah, so that question can be answered in, of course, many ways. It You also, again, have to kind of go back to square one in terms of, like, just think for yourself. Um, think about, okay, do I want to change entirely into a new clientele? So say I served lawyers as a graphic designer where I did only lawyer work, like law firms, etc. But now I want to serve like lawyers and real estate, for example. I, I don't know if that's like realistic, but I want to serve both. So do I need to change my entire brand to fit that? Or should I just go the, the smaller route and just market more to real estate people while still marketing to law firms? So it kind of depends on in terms of like which way you want to go with that. Right. For sure. I had a, a question to add on to that. Yeah, sure. Would it be nice if you, let's just say hypothetically, I'm working freelance and I want to transition over into my real estate clients, for example. So this is my strategy, and I want to um, see what you think about it Mm -hmm. if I were tackled with this question. Mm -hmm. So I think what I would do in that case is if I was that artist, I would just do the lawyer work, do the the legal work, but in the 
while I'm making the money from that, in my spare time, I'm just going to build a portfolio of more work for real estate. Mm -hmm. And I still have my income coming in, but I also, which allows me the free time to build that portfolio. And when I say that, I mean, just make some independent pieces, just some personal projects, just to a couple mock-ups here and there. Mm -hmm. And then as I'm still working in my real, or excuse me, my um, lawyer job, Mm -hmm. I'm pushing out my content for real estate markets. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you know, see if I have anyone who is interested and then slowly, Okay. Just you see what I'm saying? Yeah, just yeah. slowly transition away. And I away. think I think that's actually a very good tactic to go after, especially mm-hmm. again if you have the time. We're going based off of like the perfect situation that you have the time that you don't work another full-time job or anything like that. You're you're basically just doing freelance as a career. Um so that is a good tactic and especially if you are a small freelancer where you don't have say 10 clients at a time because right. there are some freelancers who do it full-time and have 10 people at one time. I work like once a month (laughs) on freelance stuff. Um, So it really depends on that. If you are a big company brand, so say like Coca-Cola would never do that or like Cartoon Network would never do that because that is not effective for their brand. And if you are on that higher end where you are built up or something of that sort, then I would suggest talking to someone that does marketing or someone that has an outlook of your brand that's not you because you think your idea is hot because you're in that position (laughs) of making the idea but you don't you don't see how other people perceive your idea because every time we're having marketing meetings here at uh, the creative folks office I think my idea is like freaking like awesome it's like let's launch it like let's launch it next week because I, (laughs) I think we can do it and yet the marketing team shoots it down because they're like there was no prior work or there was no lead up to it. So it's not going to work out. Right. Something of that sort. So if you're planning on doing that route, what you just said, that's great for someone that's small. If you're a bigger company, I'm pretty sure you're going to have a marketing team, consult them and make sure that everything is still on brand. If you're changing brands, consider opening another company. If it's going to be that drastic of a change. Um, Otherwise keep it consistent. Because for major companies like that, they're very, I would say, it's a bit of a strong word, but they're very micromanaged. Yes. They're very, very narrow in their branding. They mm-hmm. have to, and they have to be. Or I, else they would be viewed as disorganized or they wouldn't have a brand to begin with. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's a lot of information on one episode. In one episode on how to find find style. But and we did go a little bit more roundabout into the world of business and networking, but it is important. And the reason why we went into it is just mostly because you have to find that experience. I cannot stress that enough. And yeah, and in part, I think why we mentioned it is because we understand that finding style or finding those perfect clients is not a straight route. It's not. There's a lot of twists, turns, and curves that we have to take in order to get to that point. And those twists, turns, and curves involve us leaving our bedroom, going out to network, or leaving our house, going to work, or going to a work that we, a job that we don't like, or that doesn't even pay us. Uh, and we just have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be successful, that's just work at it. Like I cannot, I have never seen a person who worked their butt off to do to do a certain thing and never, never succeed. Absolutely. Yeah. I've never seen that. So yeah. I think that's a lot of information. Yeah. But our next episode for episode two, we are going to be talking about art portfolios. Oh. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about it today. We kind of touched about it, about how to keep it consistent. But in the next episode, we're going to be talking a little bit further into it. How many pieces in my portfolio? What should I 
do for my website. Yeah. All yeah, that kind of branding. A website. <laughs> yeah. Or should I even have one? That's yeah. another big question. Yeah. So tune in for our next episode on portfolios. Yeah. What's up, y'all? Tammy here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of our podcast. If you did, give us a rating and a comment. Let me know what you think. It's our first time ever doing anything on the audio platform, so we're just as excited to learn more. Want to know what our next episodes are? Follow us on Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter. Those who are subscribed get sneak peeks before anyone else does on our social media. See you in the next episode. Let's hustle.